there can often be a disparity between your target customer and your actual customer. You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this e-commerce marketing focus podcast. If you're not familiar with the Keep Optimizing format, well, Each month, we focus on a different marketing method, could be email or SEO or Facebook ads. And each week, I interview a different expert to explore the latest advice on how to make it work for you. This month is all about offline marketing. So it's quite an eclectic set of episodes and topics, all of which are designed to help you make the most of the offline marketing channels to drive new customer acquisition to your business. If you've never done it before, this is something you should be looking at at the moment. Huge opportunities there for you. In this episode, we're shining a light on a secret area of offline marketing, something which a lot of people have no idea exists. So it's really cool to be able to be doing it. And it's really cool to be doing it with someone who essentially originated the idea back in the day when she was working for an agency, working with ASOS, looking at putting product samples into ASOS parcels. Lots of cool stuff about how to do this coming up, both if you've got huge volumes and even if you're a teeny tiny startup, we've got tips for you on how to make it work. So do have a listen because this is going to be an inspirational one and hopefully is going to give you some ideas for generating those new customers. And do make sure you listen right to the very end of the episode because at the end of the interview, my guests will be sharing some quick fire insider tips to help you maximise the performance of your marketing And then I'll be sharing my take on it all, plus outlining some more free ways we can help you to improve your offline marketing even more. So stay tuned to the end. Unboxing is the only moment in the customer journey with a 100% open rate. Done well, your unboxing experience can build a stronger connection with your customers and immediately increase sales. To create a great unboxing experience, you need to make it as relevant as possible to the customer opening the box. The right messages, upsells and offers. But how do you do that? You need Slippy. Slippy turns your unboxing into a personalised, relevant and revenue driving channel. Print inserts on demand from packing benches at your fulfilment facility and segment and personalise those messages to include content and upsells based on each customer's purchase history and behaviour profile. Slippy gives you all the power of your email marketing system, but for your 100% open rate unboxing channel. Slippy are offering a three-month free trial exclusively for Keep Optimising podcast listeners this month only. So visit keepopt.com forward slash Slippy and claim your free trial today. Are you tired of generic marketing messages that don't resonate with your customers? Have you stretched your spend in digital retargeting as far as you can to maximise conversion? Do you want to reach your target audience with pinpoint accuracy via a channel that gets noticed? Then it's time to add dynamic postal marketing to your online marketing mix. But how? Look no further than Paperplanes. Paperplanes programmatic direct mail service uses advanced insight and analytics to personalise your marketing messages and trigger content over time. Their sustainable approach is cost effective, so you won't be wasting valuable resources on generic marketing. Instead, you can tailor messages to your customers with pinpoint accuracy, backed up with valuable insights and analytics on performance to help optimise creative and targeting 
even further. It's time to join the revolution of modern direct mail marketing. Go to keepopt.com forward slash paperplanes to find out how. In this episode, I'm chatting with offline marketing expert, Natalie Betts. Natalie is the co-managing director at product sampling and brand partnerships agency, Relish. Specialising in the beauty and FMCG industries, Natalie is a master at getting your product into the hands of your future buyers. Hello, Natalie. Hi, Chloe. So cool to have you here. How on earth did you end up in the field of putting product samples into parcels? Well, very good question. It actually started with Glastonbury Festival because I graduated in the recession back in 2004 and was struggling to get into the marketing industry. But I managed to get my first break as an insert planner based in Bath, working on really good charities. I think I was at the time mostly on Great Ormond Street. And then within that same agency, I was helping out with the media sales team who had already been placing inserts into ASOS online orders. But bless them, they weren't really fit for the insert market at the time, who kind of wanted the 55 plus audience. I say 55 plus because that is not the silver market. (laughs) So we worked out after a bit of profiling that it was more the FMCG brands that fit ASOS. So... Once we spoke to the brand managers of FMCG companies, they mentioned, actually, they've got they've got some samples. Can we help them with samples instead of inserts? So we did some time trials in ASOS, worked out it wasn't that much more intensive for them to take a sample instead of an insert. And thus, third-party sampling was born. We like to think of ourselves as slightly pioneering there. Definitely. And... You know, I started my career playing around with inserts and everyone listen, just so you know, when we say inserts, we're meaning flyers created by one company, which they pay or swap to get into someone else's parcel. Samples are physical miniature or not products that go into that parcel. The aim of both is to make money, to, to find new customers for the person whose stuff gets inserted and to make a bit of extra cash for the company whose parcel gets in. What have I missed, Natalie, with my very basic roundup? No, that was, that was a great definition. When samples first came about, they weren't as response-driven as inserts either. Inserts are all about creating that response and driving acquisition. Samples dabbled. They were kind of brand awareness pieces but now they're getting much more savvy with responsiveness and and acquisition purposes as well so is it would you say now people putting samples in parcel in other people's parcels that is primarily about acquisition so that we're seeing calls to action and much more so yeah and and tracking as much as possible tracking was kind of the bane of our life before because if people did distribute loose samples because they had surplus stock or they thought the sample was powerful enough on its own or because it was the above line team booking it, not the below line team. Quickly explain above line and below line for anyone who's going, what? What team? Teams that stand around a line? <laughs> above the line is, I know it as radio, TV, billboards, out of home and below the line was very trackable. And this goes to show how long ago I studied it because digital was still quite a new channel. (laughs) But everything digital, print. Like, I have no idea where the precise line is. And I could have long debates with people over whether some things are above or below. Because there's even through the line as well, isn't there? Yes, just to confuse you. But I mean, like, basically, I always think of it as being above the line 
is brand awareness and below the line is actual performance marketing tracked responses that reinforces that anecdote quite well then because if it was the above the line or brand awareness teams they didn't care what they were tracking they just wanted to be perceived in a really positive environment so who was distributing their sample was the most important thing and in what moment was that consumer in and then recently below the line teams well they probably don't want to be considered that but who who, the people who are booking now have more of a analytical mindset and they want to know much more about performance so before when there wasn't that much collateral or that much of a call to action the only thing we could do as the booker to relay that information we would use search and find algorithms which would um, track any social media commentary so there's quite a few tools out there which I won't convolute with now but obviously they're very compliant they're, they're all audited and they only check certain comments which is why it's getting harder because people are people are using TikTok videos more now and there is no al- algorithm that we can use for that but if if a consumer received a sample in their order predominantly if it was an edible product they would get very excited take to twitter and say wow look what i just got in my xyz order isn't this amazing and actually why this software was good we would type in so it uses boolean search string again i don't want to convolute but it's a way of writing search string for people I don't know which generation this would appeal to. It's very much like bod maths <laughs> in maths when you're writing equations. But that w- we would type in all the spelling mistakes or all the slang that a consumer could use. So I, I remember, can I say actual brand names? Yeah, you can say actual brand This is okay, not the BBC. Fine. We don't have yeah, to say uh, other supermarkets are available. So brand names are totally fine. Okay, good. Well, one of my favourite brands to work with, um, Hawaiian Tropic, I mentioned them because the spellings that we had yeah. to come up with for Hawaiian Tropic were, that was one of our la- largest search strings because the UK can't spell Hawaiian, essentially. <laughs> or Tropic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we used to use that. So that was very much about organic responses. They were just people, they were consumers who were just, you know, had something to say about it. And nowadays, that's dwindling because Twitter isn't as popular. There's much more video content that people use to respond to respond with which we can't track so we do do a lot more consultancy on call to action now we do have our own survey platform called try love buy so we can we can provide a qr code with some survey questions for an advertiser if they're a little bit lost in that but it's just to track something we just to evidence as much as possible so the survey side of things these days is going to get some response as to what they thought of the product do they think they're gonna go and do it so it's it's kind of a customer intentions do you also use qr codes to drive to site for for a deal do you use voucher codes to track an in-store purchase is that sort of thing being what we would think of more traditionally as being the paper insert is that being kind of combined with the physical product insert absolutely yeah exactly that and the one contentious thing is coupons for two reasons we do so much primary research around coupons and basically everyone says that they don't use them but they want them (laughs) yeah so I think there's a perception of I want them because this is adding value and I like to know that you will offer me something should I want it. But 
no, I find it a faff. I'm not going to use it. It's crazy, isn't it? But it is kind of cool as a marketer who cares about their profit margins because you give away these voucher codes. They incentivize the purchase, but you don't have to actually give the value of the voucher back. Nightmare for tracking, but great as a as a marketing ROI status. Yeah, kind of a bit of a quick win because it won't really cost you that much to not do it, but you might lose the perception of value if you don't. Um, so that was one contentious thing about vouchers. The other one is getting them set up with a grocery brand. So that has a few loops. And from my experience, grocery brands don't want to work with agencies to set them up. Mm-hmm. So it's usually done directly with brands and their trade teams. So if that has been facilitated with an advertiser, we can help execute it. We can make sure that that offer is advertised and distributed to the right people. But having that arrangement set up with the grocer is usually done best by the brand directly. Does that make sense? That does make sense. But it, and it's also that kind of you're not dealing with the trading with the team who deals with the grocer. And that team's got to persuade that team to do it. He's then got to persuade the grocer to do it. I'm guessing that's, it's a little bit hit and miss. It's re- yeah, and I can I can see why, especially with things like HFSS, where there's extra complexities over what offers are given. What sorry? What is HFSS in general? <laughs> Quick tangent then, it stands for high fat, salt and sugar. So it's the government initiative so this is the, for any product. The sugar tax thing. The sugar tax right. thing and fat tax. So I believe multiple parts of the legislation have been put on pause. I'm not too sure where we're at with it. Um, I, I think actually some got signed off by government because they got sidetracked or something. Anyway, I probably shouldn't talk, talk too much about where we're at with that. But what we're saying is there's, there's some restrictions when it comes to what, what you can and can't offer via the physical retail chain, which can become an issue as well, wherever you are in the world, whatever's, whatever's going yeah, on. Yeah, the, the, pr- the primary one in, in this country is the buy one get one free offer on a brand that's considered high fat, salt and sugar. And um, when that does get passed, they won't be able to promote with that particular offer. So how else can they communicate value? Yeah, challenging times. Yeah, but it, hopefully it will drive creativity a little bit into sampling. Who knows? <laughs> Constraint is always a good thing. So I think we've now given the audience a really, really good grounding in what product sampling is, some of the downsides, some of the very positive sides. What is the most perfect product sampling campaign look like for you you know the one that someone calls up and you're like this is going to be a slam dunk this is such an obvious one what what I'm trying to try to say but in a more interesting way is what makes a great product sampling campaign okay so it's really easy to start thinking about it as a consumer but you've got to think much more tactfully than that so really the best sample is one that is disruptive and interrupts somebody's habitual nature so, for example, when we used to work with L'Oreal on one of their Garnier products, probably about a decade ago, they just wanted to do one loose sachet. And there had been a little, little bit of feedback that it wasn't enough, A, for one particular person to feel like they had had the actual treatment, but then also not enough to disrupt their normal routine. There's a lot of research as well with women in particular around their buying behaviours in the beauty market 
and that is that they will be quite brand promiscuous in their 20s and then practically become brand loyal overnight turning 30. So a lot of brands try and get in that space. However, that doesn't mean that it's impossible post 30, but you need to prove that your face wash is better than the one you've been using for the last two years. So really, essentially what I'm getting at is we deduced that they needed to do three or five days worth of sampling to break that routine and then go, oh, actually, I much prefer these results. I don't want to go back to the old one. But a single use, the consumer might have thought, actually, this might have been a one off or I was just having a good day or whatever. But it was about it was about breaking that routine and then giving them the trust that it's now time to change brands. Got you. So we've really got to think through how we can get the consumer to change their behavior and therefore create the right sample to do that and i expect you know there's a bit of information around how to actually use the product (laughs) as to go into that too absolutely you specialize in beauty and fmcg so fast moving consumer goods all that stuff you find in the in the um, supermarkets basically to put it really really bluntly Mm-hmm. What does it work for other categories or are those really the categories where it's the most powerful? Oh, Chloe, really good point. I'm really passionate that it can sampling can be utilized in any sector. Just before we prepped for today's podcast, I was explaining that the headset that you recommended to me came with its own insert or leaflet um, and in a way its own sample because the leaflet was driving to a free soundtrack site where I could listen to some soundtracks for free. So I would listen to some, I think it was white noise or brown noise. I I might listen to that and go, that's really helpful. I I need more of those. I'll, I'll go and purchase it. The sample was the free music. So we wouldn't consider music in the FMCG space necessarily. Also, we were even talking to um, Virgin Travel a few years ago. They were having some VR headsets in certain Next stores where you could experience your holiday before you booked it. Wow. That's sampling a holiday. (laughs) I mean, you know, we wouldn't put international travel in the FMCG category. So I, I really think that there is an appropriate way of sampling your product full stop. It makes me think of uh, a brand we had on the e-commerce master plan podcast a couple of years ago called Bamboo Clothing or BAM as they're also known who do bamboo clothing and who are famous for their socks and who for years gave when they sent out their cold prospecting catalogs they included a pair of socks with it so you could send a pair of a pair of socks could quite easily be a product sample if they're good enough to get people to come and buy the rest of the week i can see i can see the nervousness around a company that might have a limited range and their cost of goods is quite significant and also something like an item like that once you've bought once you've been given it what's the product life cycle when when will you need to have another one so my angle would also be renting them right let me explain a bit further rather than just renting out socks there's a few fashion brands now with a rental service Mm -hmm. so you have to send the clothing back maybe bamboo socks could as a free opportunity go out with those clothes but you will get the product back or similarly partner do a brand partnership with um, a shoe company and if you do have to put socks on while you try the other shoe on be that sock (laughs) so yeah so so it's not those kind of dodgy pop socks you find in the drawer at Clark's it's a really nice pair of socks that you can try on when you try on those shoes and and I love that idea of the the rental 
agencies, you know, the dress rental agencies, if the perfect, ma- you know, if you're if you're a brand who creates scarves or fascinators or, uh, you know, ba- small handbags or whatever it might be, and you're able to send the perfect scarf or wrap out with each of those rentals that has to go back. It's like it's like almost a no cost sample. Brilliant. Yeah, and get more youth out of it. Yeah, what a brilliant idea. Uh, well, I think I, I'm enjoying brainstorming this, but I think possibly the audience wants a little bit more from us than just yep, the brainstorming fine. of these. So, what's the minimum entry requirements for this? Because I'm sure a lot of our listeners, certainly, you know, if you're in the FMCG space or in the beauty space you're probably going to be creating a unique product to be the product sample because it's probably going to be a different size to your normal. It's going to need different information going out on the packaging with it. So you're going to need to do this at some level of scale and you need to do it at some level of scale to work out if it's worth repeating. You can't probably just can't do a hundred. So what's your kind of minimum level for getting into it? Yeah, that's a really good question. I do really think it depends on the businesses involved and for some businesses, if they're in the startup phase, 100 could be completely appropriate for them at that at that point. As an agency, for us, we usually talk around the 10,000 mark. And from a statistical validity perspective, oh, I can hear my insights team saying, get the number right. <laughs> I really want to say a thousand responses is where we would put statistical validity at. From a survey perspective, mm-hmm. a good response rate would be between 5 and 10%. So you could work backwards from that. However, we have worked with some lovely fragrance brands who have sampled with um, ASOS and they've achieved a 300 to 400% sales uplift when they sample. So on on that basis, any number is a good number. (laughs) (laughs) But it does really vary. And similar to the insert market, you might not get the volume correct the first time. You have to work out what your variables are and you have to A-B test. So annoyingly, I would say you would probably hit the sweet spot on around campaign three. But if you are trying it for the first time, if you are the advertiser with the sample, just look at your own inventory, look at your own volume and budget and work backwards. There will be a retailer for every volume. So even if you are on the smaller volumes, there's a retailer that can match that. But for us as an agency, we would typically say around 10,000. Yeah, but this, but like you say, this is, if you're smaller volumes than that, there's nothing to stop you from doing it DIY with a brand you have a lot of in common with and, and doing the legwork yourself and doing a straightforward swap or something, is there? It's Exactly. And, and you mentioned earlier as well about the formats of a sample. We can sample full-size product. If that's the inventory you have available, you have overs, you have something with a short shelf life, get that to work for you. Um, You don't have to turn it into a sample or a miniature. That does have cost. Um, So, yeah, there's lots of options for people. Yeah, and I know a lot of our listeners have got overstock at the moment. So, yeah, maybe there's an opportunity to use it literally as a sample to get a new customer. Very cool. Natalie, have we missed anything that we should have told everybody about? I think there's a a lot of information there for people to get started with. I would say be really honest with yourself about who you're trying to reach. As many people listening might know, there can often be a disparity between your target customer and your actual customer. So maybe have a play with both. If you're targeting your target customer, but they're not your actual customer right now, there might be a longer lead time to see them 
return to purchase. So consider the halo effect and be really real with yourself. If you know your actual audience, focus on them for a bit, find lookalikes and just find the right retailer that reflects who you're trying to reach. Yeah, I think making sure you, you've you got the your product going in the right box has got to be crucial, hasn't it? All product parcel boxes are not created equal. Yeah, and on that basis, can I just add as well that a lot of people think that you can cherry pick who receives a sample. The rule of thumb is 99% of people who do distribute samples, it goes to their entire client base of that particular week or month or day whichever slot you've booked so you can't segment based on someone who's just bought bikinis or something because I was thinking of Hawaiian Tropic um, or someone who's just bought shoes so bear in mind if you want to be that specific go and find a retailer who specializes in those products only rather than go to a really big retailer and ask them to try and chop up their customer orders because they can't do that. Excellent point. As annoying as that may be, it gives you more impetus to find the right person's boxes to go into really, doesn't it? Well, look, um, thank you for all of that, Natalie. It's been great picking your brains about product samples. Listeners, remember to stay tuned right to the end so you don't miss out on Natalie's insider tips on offline marketing and my suggestions for more free resources to help you improve things even further in your business. Unboxing is the only moment in the customer journey with a 100% open rate. Done well, your unboxing experience can build a stronger connection with your customers and immediately increase sales. To create a great unboxing experience, you need to make it as relevant as possible to the customer opening the box. The right messages, upsells and offers, but how do you do that? You need Slippy. Slippy turns your unboxing into a personalised, relevant and revenue driving channel. Print inserts on demand from packing benches at your fulfilment facility and segment and personalise those messages to include content and upsells based on each customer's purchase history and behaviour profile. Slippy gives you all the power of your email marketing system, but for your 100% open rate unboxing channel. Slippy are offering a three-month free trial exclusively for Keep Optimising podcast listeners this month only. So visit keepopt.com forward slash Slippy and claim your free trial today. Are you tired of generic marketing messages that don't resonate with your customers? Have you stretched your spend in digital retargeting as far as you can to maximise conversion? Do you want to reach your target audience with pinpoint accuracy via a channel that gets noticed? Then it's time to add dynamic postal marketing to your online marketing mix. But how? Look no further than Paperplanes. Paperplanes programmatic direct mail service uses advanced insight and analytics to personalise your marketing messages and trigger content over time. Their sustainable approach is cost effective, so you won't be wasting valuable resources on generic marketing. Instead, you can tailor messages to your customers with pinpoint accuracy, backed up with valuable insights and analytics on performance to help optimise creative and targeting even further. It's time to join the revolution of modern direct mail marketing. Go to keepopt.com forward slash paperplanes to find out how. Okay, Natalie, so far we've gone deep into product samples and inserts. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of offline marketing. So for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with offline marketing, which of course includes everything we've already been talking about. Natalie, are you ready? I am. 
Okay, let's start with newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? Okay, well, for an advertiser who is using samples or inserts for their own customer acquisition, I would say really spend time on your first round of artwork. Because this is in the offline space, there's more dimensions to play with. We're able to use tactility um, in this form of marketing. So use that to your advantage. Also, get creative with copy. I think consumers really like it when they're spoken to a little bit more directly. We get quite a few inquiries around what if somebody doesn't want this product? Just call it out in the copy. Just say, hey, you might be wondering why, why I'm here or if I'm not right for you, give me to a friend. Consumers really respond to that. I think generic just becomes white noise. So have a play with copy as well as artwork and, and textures. Great advice. Now, once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimising. So what's your favourite way to improve performance? Well, I'm a massive fan of testing. I don't think we see enough A-B testing and also addressing when a control isn't a control anymore. So I don't know if that's a bit of a boring analytical question, but I really think you can't optimise without knowing what's working or not. So get your A-B testing correct. Also, if you are doing inserts or samples with a particular retailer, um, still keeping it offline, but there's other ways of enhancing that perceived partnership. So we do quite a bit with our retailers' head offices. So we encourage their, their colleagues and their employees to interact with the, with the advertiser as well. So that will filter through a little bit in the online space because naturally those employees are, you know, they have their own digital platforms, which is great coverage. But also if, if that does make it out into trade press as well, then it's just really reinforcing that partnership and making it feel more authentic. Nice, because if you found the right people to partner with, the right people to put your product samples into the box of, why wouldn't you want to strengthen that, that relationship in as many ways as you can? Exactly. Okay, if someone listening wants to learn more, is there a cheap or free resource you'd recommend? So naturally, I'm going to highlight the case studies on the relishagency.com website, which do get refreshed monthly. And I, I think there's demand for more. I mean, this podcast itself has been really enlightening for a lot of people. And other than that, it's not really insert and sampling related, but I still think Stephen Covey's Five Forces go a long way for anybody <laughs> agreed going back to there's a reason those that marketing models like the five forces are still around is because they're so powerful and yet it is weird how more people don't talk about this type of marketing it's it's almost like a like a little secret we've let everybody in on today so that's our fault we try to keep it a secret <laughs> <laughs> very cool okay finally it's crystal ball time what's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for well, I did mention it earlier, and I don't know whether this is more wishful thinking, but I would love to see, and I know that some retailers are working on it, I'd love to see automation in warehouses where we could segment by consumer order. Um, I do think it's going to be a bit outside of the six to 12 month window, though, because it's just such an investment for brands. So the more realistic crystal ball <laughs> prediction would be the return or the reinvigoration of the subscription market. A lot of people in the subscription market have been through a bit of a roller coaster during and post COVID. And I think that's really made 
certain brands hunker down and refine what they're doing. And I think they're going to come back more relevant than before. Yeah, I think that when I think of product sampling, so many of my examples in my head come from either subscription businesses actively doing it with other subscription businesses because a customer who's happy to do a subscription is a customer who's happy to do a subscription or it's kind of like a product insert sampling taken to the nth degree which is the likes of Birchbox etc which are just paid for sample boxes basically so love love that thought love that thought natalie thank you so much for being on the podcast could you please let the listeners know where they can get hold of you and find out more about your business yes thank you so the main way to get hold of me or relish is either through our website or our linkedin pages and our website is just relishagency.com and we are relish agency on linkedin Um, And I'm Natalie Betts on LinkedIn. Also happy to talk to anybody for any extra advice or consultancy if they want. I'm just really passionate about e-tailers using their inventory to the best of their advantage. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Natalie. That's really kind of you. And thank you so much for coming and shining a light on this secret little part of the offline marketing world. So thanks for being here. Thank you very much. So there you go, a light shone on a fascinating part of an offline marketing opportunity. So there's an opportunity for you if you've got space in your parcels that you want to sell to insert other people's products for money or product samples or even flyers for money or to swap it with other people. There is an opportunity for you to create samples or to use overstock, partnering with the right brands who appeal to your target customer to get your product into the hands of them. And one thing which we didn't manage to talk about today was about do these products actually get used? Is this a sustainability nightmare? The stats are, and uh, Natalie and her team at Relish have done a lot of investigation into this, the great majority, like 90% plus, of the people who get these samples use them in some format rather than just chucking it in the bin. So sustainability-wise, this is not a bad idea. You can get links to all those things we discussed, the full transcript of the episode, my notes or my team's notes more accurately and more at keepoptimizing.com. You can also use our special direct episode short links to go to the correct page of the website immediately. Just put keepopt.com forward slash the number of this episode into the URL bar and you will go straight to the correct episode page. When you get to the website, do add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on the other things I share to help you improve your business, which includes our monthly Q&A webinar. Yes, we are doing an offline marketing Q&A session for all of you to come and get your questions answered. I'm hoping that all of our offline marketing specialists will be able to join us for it. So far, they're all a yes. So do come and join us. Get signed up for that at keepopt.com forward slash webinar. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you've enjoyed it and you want to learn more, then do check out episode 152, where we got into product packaging, and episode 106, where we got into the paper insert side of things. So rather than putting a product sample into someone else's boxes, you're putting a flyer into someone else's boxes. Those episodes are really going to help you build on what you've learned in this episode. So that's 106 for the inserts and 152 for the product packaging. And 
You can find all our offline marketing episodes by either scroll up your feed until you find the words offline marketing or use the short link keepopt.com forward slash offline to find them all listed on the website. Please do tell your fellow e-commerce marketers about the show because I want to help as many of you as possible to find out about these hidden gems in the e-commerce marketing space and improve the performance of your marketing. And you are listening Carbon Guilt Free. This is a carbon positive podcast, which means we've bought the carbon credits to offset all our production, distribution and your listening to this show. So you have just listened to this episode and all our episodes across all our podcasts, Carbon Guilt Free. So binge away, my lovelies, binge away. Have a great week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimising your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z. Hello, Chloe here. I just wanted to tell you something super exciting before we get into this episode. Chloe's e-commerce club is finally live. Yes, my new free online club where the whole Keep Optimizing audience can come together to improve your e-commerce marketing is live. So how can you join me in the club? Well, just go to keepop.com forward slash club. It's totally free to join. So go on, hit pause and come and join me and hundreds of our listeners at keepopt.com forward slash club. And then don't forget to hit play and listen to the rest of the episode. See you in the club.